Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm April Fallon. Enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody, this is April Fallon, your host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story on your adoption show. If you're new to Adoption Now, we tell stories from the perspective of the adoptee, birth parent, and adoptive parent. And I've learned so much about adoption. I've also learned about you guys, that you are listening to the show because you are researchers, because you also want to learn more about adoption. And I'm really glad that we're on this journey together. I am the adoptive mother of four, and the last 12 years has completely changed my life. And it's so weird to say 12 years. I can't believe my oldest child is 12. But I'm constantly opening my mind to new things about adoption. I have learned so much from adoptees. And whenever I have a question, it just seems like this community answers it quickly. And I feel like a stronger parent. I don't feel like I'm doing this alone. Because sometimes you can feel alone when you're like the only adoptive parent in a group of all these people who have biological kids. And even though we face some of the same challenges, some of the challenges are really different. So when you have a community of people that you can go to and say, hey, I know you'll just get this, it's it's so great. And it's so much better. And I love that this podcast is doing that. Okay. Today, we have a story about getting out of your comfort zone. And I know that we say that a lot with adoption, but this one, she really went out of her comfort zone. This story comes to us from Illinois. It's an adoption from the Dominican Republic. No way. And listen to this. They were in country for 135 days. Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I just, this story, I can't believe it. I'm I'm so happy that you wrote in. How'd you hear about Adoption Now? Well, it kind of goes with what you were saying in the beginning about being a researcher. Um, whenever we, we've had a longer wait, we had COVID in the middle. And so there was a lot of times where we were just in the waiting. And so we... I was looking for ways to connect with adoption and I was searching podcasts and Instagram and everything. And so I think I just searched international adoption and probably found you guys on Apple Podcasts and started listening. And I've followed so many other people that have been on your podcast that it's really such a great resource for me, especially in that time of waiting when I felt so out of control and couldn't do anything really, but I was trying to educate myself as best as I could. You know what? I love that you said that. If I could describe adoption in any way, it is a total loss of control. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much you plan. You have no control. And when people first come to me and tell me that they're going to start the process and then they go ahead and tell me their plan, I just smile. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) well, you let me know how I can support you. And please, when you get that baby, please write me because I want to hear everything you went through and the person that they are afterwards is totally different. I mean, yeah, their faith is different, um, everything. Yeah. And especially, you know, spending 135 days in what we call an island nation that runs on island time. Um, you definitely have to let your control go and be okay and just embrace where you are in the journey and the adventure. And, you know, there's nothing you can do to change it. So you might as well enjoy it. That's right. That's right. Okay. So you and your husband have one biological daughter. Why did you yes. start the process? 
So we started because our first initial Fourier was a diagnosis of unexplained secondary infertility. We had tried for about 18 months once our daughter was two and did all the tests and nobody could explain. And we were getting to the point where we were going to have to go to a more of a fertility clinic and there's not one in our town. And so we were discussing that. And we have actually discussed adoption from the very beginning of our relationship, just as a, hey, we're both open to this, maybe one day. So we started to discuss it more and more and decided that as opposed to doing, you know, more fertility treatments or any fertility treatments that maybe we should do this. And so that's what led us down the road of adoption in general. Everybody always asks, well, how did you pick the Dominican? And honestly, for us, international adoption was a lot easier to choose than what country to choose from. Just for, we love to travel and we like want to raise our daughter in different cultures. And so that was pretty easy. But then we didn't really have ties to a different country, which opened up the map, which honestly made it harder. (laughs) Um, Right. But yeah, so it didn't take us very long to decide international adoption, but it took us about four months to decide on the Dominican Republic. And I would say... Two months of that was both of us trying to talk ourselves out of choosing the Dominican Republic um, just because of we knew the time and country was going to be long and it was going to be hard. And so we kept trying to find other countries and trying to find the same pull that we would have in our hearts. And eventually we just looked at each other and we're like, I think we need to do this. I think we need to, you know, like you said, get out of our comfort zone and prepare for this and see if we can make it work. Okay, I didn't even know the Dominican was open. Like, how did you even know that was a country on the list? So we actually went to our home study agency and we were meeting with them. We were lucky enough that they're only about 25 minutes from our house. So we went to them and we were actually meeting with them to discuss about adopting from Colombia. And in that meeting, the social worker was just describing their agency and mentioning all their programs. And she mentioned that they were actually piloting a Dominican Republic program. Oh, so you were going to be the guinea pigs? Well, yes. So we actually, (laughs) we ended up, they were our home study agency and we went with a placing agency that had done Dominican adoptions before because I was terrified. Um, (laughs) Right. So, but it actually turned out that in country, it's the same in country team from what I understand. And we've actually, when we were in the Dominican, the home study agency of, our home study was Madison and our placing agency was Lifeline. So Madison actually had a family come home in July. We didn't come home till September. So we actually got to talk to them after they got home. Oh, okay. So you, there was somebody ahead of you. Yeah, there was somebody ahead of us, but at that point we didn't know that and I was terrified. Okay. I mean, that would terrify me as well. And yeah. did you know it was going to be like, 135 days? Yeah. So everybody going in had told us four to six months was there. Oh gosh. Like who can do Um, that? Well, so you guys, you guys can do that. And that was another reason we felt like, you know, our whole thing was we want to find a child that needs a family. I felt like not a lot of people can do what we did. And the fact that I was a stay at home mom at that point, My husband is a pastor, so his congregation was a lot more understanding. And also, 
COVID actually showed a lot of the ways that he could work remotely um, and be involved mm-hmm. in meetings and services. They, he sent, he did video updates that they would play in the service and things like that. Also, we had just gotten another pastor the year previous. So, I mean, it sounds insane, but we did it. <laughs> it still sounds insane. And we've been home for four months. That's That's just amazing. But it's good that he had a congregation that supported him. That's a a big thing too. Okay. So let's back up. Yeah. How old is your biological daughter when you start the process? She was five. We got matched in December of 2021. Okay. So she's about to go on this like big journey with you as well. Was she excited? Did you tell her anything? Yeah. So, I mean, she knew the entire time we're adopting, like she would tell people we're adopting. I'm either going to get a brother or a sister we had actually planned a trip to the Dominican. We've been to the Dominican before, but we have friends that live in the Dominican, missionaries that are oh, friends. Okay. And we went to their town where they were because we knew once we were in country, we were going to be living there. So we took her in December of 2021. It was a fluke that we got matched before because we hadn't planned on that. Oh, no way. But we, yeah. And so we got our daughter's file a week before we left on this trip. Oh my gosh, were you like, we're already going there? Yes, and I asked the agency, I was like, is there any way we can meet her in country? Which I knew the answer was no because of Hague rules. But I had to ask because we were actually going to be there. And it made the whole experience for us. We did not tell our our biological daughter that we were matched. We did not tell her we were uh, until we were officially matched, which ended up being Valentine's Day of 2022. Okay, so they presented you this child or how does that work do they say here's a couple children here's a child so our attorney in country had actually seen her file and sent it to our agency based on some of our medical clearances and medical things that we had said yes to she fit in some of those and her age so she actually saw her file knew about us knew about our file sent it to our agency and then our agency send it to us. So she was technically not a waiting child. She was, we had to fill out a letter of intent for her file. Okay. And what did that file say? Or what was the information that you got? So we got the, her birthday, her medical records. She had a couple diagnoses, which we've now discovered are not correct. <laughs> um, and they, they were realizing that one of them was not correct because they were actually going to reevaluate her for autism. She was diagnosed with autism at a very young age, but we don't believe that was a correct diagnosis and they didn't either. But we had on our medical clearance, we had said yes to autism. That's one of the reasons we got her file is because we had said yes to autism. We've had a lot of experience. I'm a former teacher, so I've had a lot of experience with kiddos with autism and we felt very comfortable with that and adding that. And so that was one of the main reasons we got her file. We got her file and we looked at her file, read through all of her information. She has spent her entire life in an orphanage until the, up until we came into her life. And then after we read her file, we had told our agency, don't send us any pictures. We want to read her file objectively as we can. Don't send us any pictures. So we read her file. We decided that this, this could be it. And we asked for pictures and we opened it up and there were four pictures of this just beautiful, smiling little girl. And I looked at my husband and I was like, this is it. Aww. This is it. December 2021. She was how old? She was four. 
Four. Okay. And that fit the age. You wanted somebody younger than your daughter? Yes. That okay. was one of our only hard and fast was we wanted to maintain birth order. That was really important to us. So that worked out perfectly for us. Okay. So you see pictures. You are super excited. You're leaving for the Dominican like in a week. And how long were you there? We were in the Dominican for a week. Okay. Just to get your daughter acclimated, find out what you're going to say. Didn't you secretly want to find her? I would have been. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like every time to we do went. It. I can just see Noah being like, we have to follow the rules and me being like, what? <laughs> we just stumbled upon this orphanage right here. Shouldn't we go in? <laughs> yeah. And like took our daughter to the grocery store and like showed her like, look, they have peanut butter and look, they have Cheerios and like so that she would understand, you know, like they're it's the same in many ways. It's the same. And we ate at McDonald's and we just really wanted to be able to tell her this is going to be OK. Yeah. And yeah. to like be like, OK, remember when we went and we went swimming and it was January because when we planned this trip, we had no clue what time of year we we're going to be going. Like we thought we were a year away from actually going to live there. And so we wanted to be able to show her pictures and things to remind her of this because we thought, oh, she'll forget. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up moving there four months later. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so that was the first time you were able to meet her. Yeah. So we met her on May 3rd of 2022. What was that like? It was overwhelming. <laughs> I was so incredibly nervous. I've never been that nervous. Not my wedding day, not the birth of our first child. But that morning I was sick. Like I was so nervous. I was sick and I was crying and <laughs> it was so nervous. But she came in and she was very timid and very quiet at first. We actually had the first day um, her doctor came with her to go over her medical file, which is unusual, but her doctor was leaving and going to be on vacation. So they wanted to do that first. So she actually played with our daughter for a long time that day while we talked to the doctor. And so the way in the Dominican it works is you have socialization for a week. So every day for a week, she would come to our apartment in the Dominican and she would stay for three or four hours. We would play or, you know, we'd feed her lunch with her psychologist and then she would go back to the orphanage. And then on the fifth day, we went to Kunani, which is their children's protective agency. And we signed all the paperwork to become her legal custodian until the adoption was finalized. And she came home with us that day. And that was the first day that we spent time with her alone. She slept at our house. And from then on, she was in our care. And how did that go? It was good. It was rough in the beginning. She had not a lot of experiences out of the orphanage. So just learning how to do daily life was hard. It was quite isolating because the language barrier around us, like everyone spoke Spanish and we had been taking Spanish lessons and my husband could communicate pretty effectively, but I was struggling. So it was hard that way. And then just her getting used to a family. It, it was challenging those first two or three weeks. I will say there were a lot of bright moments. There were a lot of joy. It was so exciting to be there, but it was also, there were moments of challenging and there were lots of moments of tears. Our oldest, you know, was transitioning to being an oldest instead of an only child, but also missing her entire world here in the States. Mm -hmm. um, she had a hard time the first, I would say three weeks of missing home, missing her friends, missing her grandparents that she saw very frequently. Yeah, and she went from only child to having a sibling that's like almost her age. You know, was she, did she feel jealous? 
Yeah. And it was hard because they couldn't communicate very effectively mm. with each other because mm. they spoke different languages. So they would need us to translate a lot. That changed very rapidly. Our oldest picked up Spanish incredibly fast. But I would say those first three to four weeks were challenging. But also, this is one of the points about the Dominican that going in, we knew it would be so hard. But we also knew the hard would pay off because if we were still in the States, there's no way we would have had that much time together, that much time in our family mm -hmm. unit to help her acclimate to us, to give her the care and attention she would need. And we knew like us learning her culture, us spending time in her language, learning her language, her first language, all those things they say are so important to bonding later on that we knew it was a sacrifice we were willing to make to for the long term. Mm -hmm. I have to agree with you 100% that even though four to six months seems really long, the way that they do it seems like they really care about the health of the child, not just yanking the child from a caregiver, handing the child to you, the child gets on a plane. And I mean, that is a shock for a lot of children. That's a lot of trauma. And this seems like it was kind of slow, um, where she could understand the idea of what was happening. And she wasn't taken out of her culture right away. So you guys were new, but the surroundings weren't. I mean, all of those things can be really, really healthy, even though it's a big sacrifice for you. And I want to say one thing about adopting an older child for your biological children. Um, even though we don't have biological children, we had AJ who was older. He was the same five when we brought home an older child and fostered this little boy for a while. And those of you who listen, you know the story. But he used to always say to me, where is his mom? Where mm -hmm. is it? Because he was not a baby. So he was like this mm -hmm. older child. And he was like, okay, fun to have a play date. But like, when is his mom going to pick him up? <laughs> because he, he couldn't process that this older child just appeared and now they're part of the family it's easier for a kid when it's a baby right because it's like oh mm -hmm. yeah a baby and then you kind of grow up together mm -hmm. so I can see that that would be really hard and even though she's excited it's like but wait a second you can do the things I can do you you know and I have to share the love and so that can be something you need to think about too when you're taking your only child into having an older sibling but even though it was hard, were there times when you were like, what are we doing in that first couple weeks? Oh, yeah. There was a lot of times of what are we doing? How have we gotten this far? And nobody told us that we like we just kept looking at each other and being like, who's the adult? Like, where's the adult that's supposed to be helping us with it? <laughs> where's your because mom? Right. Where's your parents helping you? <laughs> we're we're not qualified like who qualified us to be able to do this and there was a lot of trial and error I will say our agency was amazing we had a guide in country that was amazing if we needed something or something had happened we would all be on a whatsapp group text just you know texting our agency checked in on us very often in the beginning I would say daily almost those first two or three weeks and just, you know, how's it going? Can we help? I would have moments where I would just call our social worker and be like, okay, this is going on and I don't know what to do. And she'd be like, okay, calm down. Like, you're good, you know, and just kind of talk me off the edge a little bit. And we started doing, you were talking about older siblings. So we started doing one-on-one -on -one dates at least once a week 
like I would take our oldest and we would go to, there was a store, it's like Walmart, but it had a McDonald's attached to it as well that had a play place. And so we would go, we would go grocery shopping and then we would, we would go to the play place and we'd eat lunch and let her play for an hour by herself. You know, my husband would take our adopted daughter and they would go to the pool or something. And then the next day we would switch and that really helped her have some time away because she wasn't used to having somebody there full time. Mm -hmm. And also that one-on-one time that she was so missing from her previous five years. Right. Did you feel, what was this little girl's name? Did you get to name her? Did she, I mean, obviously she has a name, but yeah, we kept her original name. Um, it's pretty much the only thing that we could physically keep from her life in the Dominican. So we felt that was really important. So her name is Wedlina. And then our oldest name is Anna. Okay. Wedlina and Anna. And does she go by that full name or does she go by a nickname? Mm-hmm. Oh, she does. She goes nope. by Wedlina. She goes by Wedlina. Yeah. We have talked about in the future. She wants to change it. I know adoptees have different feelings about original names that we would change it to Lena or something of that sort. But um, she knew, obviously she was four years old. She knew what her name was. So we felt like we were changing everything else in her life and right. we liked it. So. <laughs> and did she seem happy that she was with you? Was she attaching? Was she confused? She seemed happy most of the time. She had a harder time as all four-year-olds, three-year-olds do with boundaries. The biggest memories and the biggest hard times I can remember is she just had not had very many out of the orphanages experiences. So eventually we would start going places and she just would not want to leave because I think she thought she would never get to do those again. So if we went Mm. to the store when it was time to leave, she would have an epic tantrum. Or like one time we went to an aquarium and it was time to leave. And my husband ended up packing her out, just screaming, crying. Oh my gosh. Was everybody looking at you? Yes. So we had a, a little ID card for her and it explained in Spanish that we were her adoptive parents and that we had custody over her. And after that trip, we took that card with us everywhere because we were terrified that somebody was going to stop us and think we were taking her. Right. Because she- upset and we wouldn't be able to explain in fluent Spanish what was going on. So we started taking that card with us every time. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine that because here's the deal. And when I say this, people are going to be like, April, get an education. But my neighbors are from the Dominican and they are very Spanish. And so when Mm -hmm. you talk to me about the story and then you sent me the picture, I was like, oh, she is like, she's dark. Yeah, she's yeah. not Spanish looking per se. Yeah. And so yes. I'm sure if you have this child that clearly is not your biological child screaming and you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just a normal fit. But now everyone's wondering, like, are they stealing this child? And mm-hmm. I can see mm-hmm. how that would be really hard. That would make me like not want to go out in public. <laughs> right. It'd make me yeah. really nervous. Really? <laughs> That that was like the first time it was leaving the aquarium, which was so fun. And we'd had such a good time. She had listened. Like we were kind of like, are we ready for this? I would say that was about a month and a half in probably. And it was it was hot. We were there, you know, May, June, July, August. So we were trying to find things to do inside. And this little aquarium, we were like, let's try it. And she had done so well, but it just she wasn't ready to leave. And it was rough. And like you said, she very clearly is not our biological daughter. And we say that Dominicans are a rainbow of colors. Mm-hmm. And she is now I know. The darker, <laughs> she puts the darker end of that color. And yeah, it was that was probably one of the scariest 
experiences we had because we were we were concerned that somebody was going to stop us. Luckily, no one did, and we got a lot of stares, but we got a lot of stares the whole time. So, <laughs> right, whether she had good behavior or not, I'm sure they were all trying to figure out. Yeah, and and I don't know, maybe you experienced that when you came home too. We have not experienced it at home as much as we did there. Mm -hmm. I think in our community, transracial adoption is becoming more and more common. And we kept our community very small in the beginning. We've just only started to branch out. So everyone that we knew knew us going through this process. So we have gotten lots less stares since we've been back. Everybody would always try to figure us out in country. We took uber all the time in the dominican is very popular and one of the uber drivers one time we got in and he looked at my husband in the front seat and he said how does this go <laughs> because he was trying to figure out like what is the story here <laughs> that's so funny did he tell him or yeah yeah my husband told him like this is our daughter she's adopted and lots of people she our daughter probably has haitian ancestry mm. and so a lot of people were thinking that she was haitian Mm -hmm. And so then we were like, no, she's Dominican. She was born in the Dominican and she speaks Spanish, not French Creole. So yeah, it was a lot of explaining. We learned how to explain it in Spanish pretty quickly because <laughs> we had to. But yeah, I mean, that time in country, I look back on it and it just with fond memories. It was hard. It was going to be hard. We knew that. But we also had so many good memories that will last us forever. Yeah. And probably set you guys up for a great bond. You know, no right. one else was coming in and trying to talk to her like your family wasn't there. I mean, families and friends have such great intentions, but sometimes they kind of stop that bond, right? Because they don't understand boundaries either, right? We talk about this all the time, but when we bring an older child home, it's really important that that child understand that you're the mom, right? Your husband's mm -hmm. the dad, not... This aunt and uncle, not grandma, not, and it's hard for them because you're a new mom and dad. So they could maybe go to grandma because grandma's really nice and gives them candy. And <laughs> you have this thing going on where you're like, no one pick the child up. No one give her candy. Right. Cause you don't want to confuse her, but you didn't have that because you were in another country and you were able to establish your roles to her, which I think is really, really cool. When I talked to you in that interview, you had just come home, right? You had just come yeah. back and you were saying Anna was having a hard time because now she had to share her toys mm -hmm. and now she had, she had to share her life. Right. I think Anna had a harder time with having a sister when we actually got back. I think her hard time in the Dominican was more about homesickness, missing her friends, missing her family. When we got back and she realized her sister could play with all of her imaginary lands that she had set up and left for three days and nobody would bother. But now there was someone else in the playroom playing with all those things and getting all the attention. It was a shock to her system for sure. It took us probably a month for Anna to adjust to new routines with her sister and new routines at school. And we can't just lay by the pool all day and do whatever we want. <laughs> um, but now, you know, both girls are in school full time. Now we have decided to put Wadlina in kindergarten next year because we were, we didn't know she has an early September birthday. So we were kind of waiting on that, but her teachers agreed. So She's now in school five days a week. So Saturday mornings are very special because they haven't had a whole lot of time together during the week. And so Saturday mornings, they usually 
will have some kind of made up game that they're playing for hours. And it's so sweet. And I wish I could just bottle that up and send it to my previous self mm-hmm. and be like, it's going to be, be okay. okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Our middle two girls just never really got along, even though we adopted as babies, you know, and it was a natural progression. Lily was not loving Vivi and they just <laughs> didn't get along. They wouldn't play together. And then we fostered nine puppies, which Noah wanted to kill me. But I was like, no, I'll be fine. And then it ended up being like a poop fest, right? You just don't, you don't think about that with puppies, that how messy it's going to be. But the moral of the story is it brought them together. All of a sudden, they love these puppies. And that bond that happened with those puppies has never been broken. They still play together. They still love each other. And it was that very thing that brought them together. And so it does happen if you just keep fostering the idea that they are going to play together. They are going to accept each other. And you really work on that relationship and help them understand there's enough love in this family for both of you. Mm -hmm. And that's just a really important thing to think about when you bring home a child. Because I think everybody thinks it's just going to be super easy. Like the child's going to be like, thank you for adopting me. And the other child's going to be like, I've always wanted a sibling and you're it and it's awesome. And it just doesn't always work like that. Humanity gets in the way and we have to, as parents, step in and help them learn about each other. How is she doing with English? Oh, she's done so, so amazing with English. I cannot even begin to explain how amazing she has done. She probably two and a half months in to our time in the Dominican could understand 80% of what we said in English. And then whenever we came home, she was still speaking mostly in Spanish, but she started school part-time in October. And I think after two weeks of school, she had switched and was primarily in English. And now we are almost always in English and we have, you know, different sayings that we'll say in Spanish that reminiscent of our time in the Dominican. But I was really worried about the language barrier. And like I said, in the beginning, it was really rough. Our guide helped us and we had a list of parenting phrases in English and in Spanish that we wrote on paper and hung up in our kitchen so that we could just look and remember what we were trying to say to her. And we use that very often in that first month or so. But yeah, the the language is not nearly a bigger deal as I was worried about either. That would probably be the other thing I would go back in time and tell myself is like, yes, learn all you can beforehand and try to be as fluent as you can. But they're going to pick it up so fast. Mm-hmm. And what about her first Christmas? Oh, she was so excited. And it actually really helped to have Anna because Anna would sit and explain everything to her and be like, okay, this is what's going to happen. We're going to leave milk and cookies. And then Santa's going to come and he's going to eat the milk and cookies and he leaves us presents. And so she would get really excited. We had to explain things very clearly and not looking back. I realized that sometimes some of our traditions aren't very logical. We went to see Santa early in December and I told her, I said, what do you, you know, you have to ask Santa to bring you something. What do you want Santa to bring you? What toy would you want? And she said, a Barbie. I said, okay, ask Santa for a Barbie. And so we get up there and we take the pictures and we, she asked Santa for the Barbie and we leave and we're walking out to the car and she says, okay, where's my Barbie? And I was like, well, wait, no, he brings it on Christmas. And she's like, no, you told me to ask. And I asked, where's my Barbie? And you're like, oh, shoot, it doesn't quite work like that. <laughs> but no, she she loved it. We kept it, you know, on the advice of a lot of people, we kept our Christmas as small as we could. My husband is a pastor. So that was, you know, there were times that we couldn't, but we kept it as small as we could. And 
spaced things out and made sure to give her time to you know not be overstimulated but yeah she had so much fun at christmas and what about snow so we actually have not gotten a measurable snow i know it's insane but she has seen it we went out we got some snow but it was when we had it was incredibly cold and so we were out for about five minutes and she was done (laughs) she does not like the cold and that's (laughs) been it's been a challenge to get her to understand that She doesn't like coats or hats or gloves. She wants to go outside, but she doesn't want to put those things on. And so getting her to understand, like, you you can go outside, but you're not going to last very long without a coat. And then also, she actually has had one of the things that I never thought about. They, in the Dominican, they don't do daylight savings time. And so she was very confused in the beginning why it was dark so early here. Mm -hmm. We're all confused. Yes. We're all bummed out about that. (laughs) Yeah. So we had to explain. Well, we, I mean, we didn't really explain it. We just were like, no, it's dark, but it's not. She would always say, is it no chest? Which, you know, in her world means I have to go to bed. Mm -hmm. And we're like, no, it's just dark. You don't have to go to bed yet. But that was a foreign concept to her. (laughs) So I bet she also loves that all the people love her. Right. Like all these people stop and I'm sure (laughs) want to talk to her. And I mean, that's how it is everywhere we go. All of a sudden Mm -hmm. I look over and there's like older children carrying my children. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this Mm -hmm. is my new best friend. Like all the teenagers love my girls and they're holding Mm -hmm. it. Like it just like I can't even wrap my head around it. And sometimes AJ gets bent on a shape. He's like, wait, I'm cool. What about me? Yeah, especially, like I said, with our church, you know, having a three-year-long process, like we told our church a year into it, um, we did a lot of fundraising with our church, so they're invested in this. They saw my they saw my husband and video conferences from the DR and waited patiently for us to come back, and so she still gets a lot of attention whenever we go to anything church-related, and she loves it. She loves all the attention, and will hug and, you know, tell everybody, hola. She still says hola a lot. So cute. (laughs) Okay. So anybody that's thinking about going to the Dominican now, what's your advice? Make sure, like, make sure you have a plan and you can do it. But if you can do it, it is so much to the benefit of your child. That's the thing that I learned about this. Not even just spending time in their culture, spending time in their language, but as Americans, we are so incredibly busy. We have so much on our plate that the ability to slow down and make that child or that children your focus for that period of time is so important. And I think it really has impacted our bonding and impacted our attachment for the better. And going back, you know, looking forward, we can tell her like we lived there, we lived in your culture. You know, there were a lot of things we did with her in her culture that we can say like we we value your culture and we cook for food from your culture. And we don't want her to forget that. And we want her to maintain that forever. And this was a way that we could do that. Um, one of the coolest experiences, we actually got her baptized in the Dominican by one of our friends who is a de- pastor. And so we got her baptized in her first language. Wow. Yeah, that's like forever going to be a story for her that she was baptized in her first language in Spanish. That's amazing. Okay, last question. How much did you have to raise? So our adoption total between agency fees, home study fees, and then in-country fees, we stayed primarily in Airbnbs in-country. And at the very end, we did stay in a hotel for the last little bit because it was more flexible. 
was almost $50,000. It was just shy of $50,000. And so we got uh, donations from some of our friends that totaled about $10,000. We did fundraisers that were about $13,000. And then we did grants. My husband was big on grants. And so he applied for every grant he could find. And we actually got $25,000. Wow. And grants. Yeah. And there's ways to do it. We are a single pastor's family income. Like we are not made of money. We count every penny and we found ways to do it. You know, he was really, like I said, into the grants and would scour and would go over grant applications and would review them with, uh, you know, we have someone at our church who writes grants for a living for a company. And so he would send them to them. And so he really took that on. And there are grants out there. There are many grants out there that we didn't get. And so I think if this is, if this is what you want, and you feel like you are, your family is destined for this, then there are ways to do it. Don't let the money be the hindrance is my big takeaway from this. Abby, thank you so much for telling your story. No, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on your new daughter. (laughs) Both of them are so adorable. I can't wait to post that picture. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you have an adoption story you'd like to share, please email us at afallon at adoptionnowpodcast.com. Please subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media. Thanks for joining us on your adoption show. See you next episode.